0: Alright, hello, 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 and welcome back to Chris Platy Presents Basketball and Hip-Hop. This is an NBA podcast series. Shout out, by the way, to Will Wade, who made this introduction beat that we are currently listening to. Very talented beat maker, very talented producer. Uh, not just saying that because he's a friend of the show, but also because he's a good guy, and he's actually really talented with this. One of the best in my area. So, let's get into it. This is the start of something special. I'm going to be doing 13 podcasts in 13 days, and these are these are going to be NBA podcasts, and it's going to be each day of free agency. Because as you all know, right now today is June 30th, which is which is free agency eve. Uh, free agency technically starts at 12:01 tonight on on July 1st, and so today I'm going to be doing something different. I'm not going to be doing the basic. Uh, Where does Kevin Durant go? Where does Al Horford go? Where do all these big names go? Instead, I'm taking a little bit of a different angle on this one. I'm going to be talking about teams to watch in free agency. Now, granted, this is going to be a great free agency. This is probably going to be the craziest ever considering so many teams have so much cap space. But... So, I mean, really every team is interesting in and of itself, and you can find something interesting. But these are teams that really stuck out to me. I I have about 14 teams on my list, 14, 15 teams on my list. Uh, So basically half the NBA. Uh, And all these teams are interesting for reasons that I'll get into, and I kind of group them in their own categories. So let's get down to it. All right, so the very first one. I'm focusing on the top-tier teams, and I'm not going to talk about Toronto or Cleveland because I think their game plans are pretty simple. The Cavs is don't trade Kevin Love, um, re-sign J.R. Smith, uh, find a replacement for Richard Jefferson if he retires. Uh, It was reported that he was going to retire, but now it's also been reported that he's unsure and that he's thinking about coming back. So get that. Maybe make uh, small improvements on the wing positions, uh, the two and the three. So Cleveland's pretty simple, In Toronto, very simple. Just re-sign DeMar DeRozan and uh, find a replacement for Biombo. So let's get into the other top-tier teams, and these were teams that were, again, the top of the league and realistically had a shot at winning the title this year. Things didn't break right. So let's start with OKC, since they're the, they're the big player, this free agency, with Kevin Durant being a free agent. So the latest report is actually that they're trying to clear cap space for Al Horford, and the question is, how do they do it? Well, they started by trading Serge Ibaka for um, for the 11th pick in the draft, which turned out to be Sabonis, who's a very talented, very touted prospect. Uh, he he came from Europe, but he's not, but he played college ball, so uh, so he the scouts got a real good look at him. And a lot of a lot of people around the league like him say that he can do pretty much all Ibaka can do right away. Maybe not to his level, but on uh, but near that level. So you're almost getting an instant Ibaka replacement. And then you also the Thunder got Oladipo in the trade, so you then you get another dynamic guard who another dynamic shooting guard who unfortunately isn't known as a good shooter. Uh, Some see him as another Andre Robinson. I think he's got a much higher ceiling than that, even right now. And uh basically this is great because it ensures you that even though Deion Waiters was a restricted free agent, that if somebody offers him a max, you don't you don't have to tie your money to that. So it was a brilliant, brilliant cap move by uh by the Thunder. And so now they they still need to clear about ten million in order to sign Horford before re signing Duran as well. And the way the way they're going to do that is they're looking at trading Cantor, they're looking at trading Kyle Singler, and they're looking at waving uh Anthony Morrow. So, you don't have to do all three of those pieces, but two of those three pieces have to move in order for this to work, in order to get the cap space needed to land um to land Horford, but I I think it's a very interesting, I think it's a very interesting move by OKC. Is not only did they uh get better by getting Oladipo, but then now you're talking about potentially getting better by um adding Al Horford, the second best free agent. Something that really no one saw coming. So, it's very interesting to me. Um, again, I don't know how the pitch works because it's very tricky. Uh, Horford doesn't commit unless Durant commits, and the question is, when is Durant going to commit to the Oklahoma City Thunder officially? I know right now they're the favorites, and the most likely scenario for Kevin Durant is that he signs a one-year uh, deal with a one-year player option, which he opts out, and again, it saves him. I believe I believe it will give him an extra $85 million. So, uh Pretty big incentives there, and so so with that being said, how do you secure Horford? Because even if KD signs a one plus one, he could still bolt next summer. So it's a very tricky pitch. I believe that you have to you have to get KD and Russell Westbrook too, who's also a free agent next year. You have to get them to commit in order to really recruit Horford. So I think that if somehow the Thunder pull this off and land Horford, then I think that that's a clear indication that Durant and Westbrook are staying. So that's why OKC is very interesting. Uh, The next team I wanted to talk about was the Miami Heat. Now, I know they're not necessarily considered a title contender, but I kind of threw them in this top tier because I believe they had the potential to be if they make the right moves. And they're, they're reportedly in the Kevin Durant sweepstakes. Now Kevin Durant is set to meet with five teams. I believe it's the Thunder, the Spurs, the Warriors, the Heat, and the Celtics. So that's right now. That's the five teams that Kevin Durant is planning on meeting. And again, Miami gets a meeting because Pat Riley is always intriguing. He's always trying to land the big stars, and he's very successful at it. So, you know, when when you get Pat Riley in a room, you know he's very convincing. So I think I think that you can see there's potential there that KD does actually go to Miami. Now I don't buy it for one second, but again, it's always interesting. And Pat Riley is always great at managing the cap and rebuilding. He, he always has a great plan B. So we'll see what happens if they don't get Durant. And of course, the whole Whiteside situation is intriguing. Now, uh, it, it was just reported a few hours ago that Hassan Whiteside, and this was by Mark Stein of ESPN, that Hassan Whiteside is choosing between Miami and Dallas and could choose as soon as tomorrow, the day free agency starts. So that could be a huge first domino to fall. And again, that takes the Lakers out of the equation, which some people suggested he wanted to go there. So um, again, it's, it's very intriguing because if, they sign, if the Heat sign Whiteside right away, then they don't have the cap space. You're allowed to go over the cap, for those of you that don't know, you're allowed to go over the cap to re-sign a player and, of your own. And Hassan Whiteside, if he signs them already, then that takes up their cap space that they have and then that really limits them. And now there's also other another reason they're interesting is because Dwayne Wade has the potential of leaving, and now there's there's been reports and his agent has made it known to v- various teams around the league that Wade is considering other offers. But at the same time, if you're Dwayne Wade, I really don't think you're leaving Miami, and if you're Miami, I think the way I think this is gonna play out similar to last year. If you're Miami, you wait. If you don't get the big name free agent that you didn't get last year, then what you do is you just give Wade a one year overpaid contract, and uh, just kind of, just kind of as as a respect to Dwayne Wade because he has taken so many pay cuts that at this point there's no such thing as overpaying Dwayne Wade because of all those pay cuts he's taken. And another thing that's interesting is they have a lot of great role players that are free agents. Uh, Gerald Green, Luol Deng, these guys were huge for Miami. They, they were huge players. They were huge factors of Miami's success last year. So with those guys being free agents and each of them probably getting around ten, excess of $10 million each per year, uh, it, it makes it very difficult for the Heat to re-sign them. So again, the Heat are not only going to have to figure out how to land a star, but they're going to have to figure out how to re-sign theirs their stars and then in addition to that build the supporting cast so the heat are very interesting because they're going to be very aggressive and they're going to chase uh, a lot of big name free agents now next next is the clippers and i put them in the top tier category because look let's face it had had they not gotten injured they might have had a real shot of being the warriors and who knows after that who knows if they somehow beat the thunder beat the Cavs. um So Clippers are always that team that's kind of right there. Uh, I don't believe that this big three is going to win a title, but it's not because of the big three. I I just don't have faith that Doc will give them the right supporting cast. And so far, I've proven to be right on that. Uh, Doc has continuously surrounded them with an okay supporting cast, but not a great one, not one that fits them. So with Doc Doc, uh, being the head of basketball operations and really controlling all these free agents and being the general manager uh i i don't know i i don't have faith that the clippers are going to retool because the the clippers have to they have to find a way to either retool this team to to fit the big three or they have to trade one of the big three and i think that's a tough situation for doc to be in and i think that he's going to tend to go the latter route which is go for trying to build the best supporting cast possible but i don't really see him doing it I, he's struggled to do it so far and i don't have any confidence that he will do it so if i were the clippers i would actually consider splitting the big three entirely maybe not entirely where whereas you're training different teams but split um split up blake or chris paul i think one of those guys go maybe deandre jordan i don't know but it seems like blake griffin's the odd man out because one you can get the most va- i think he's the most valuable of them all in terms of trade market value because Chris Paul is extremely valuable to any team, but at the same time, uh, Blake Griffin is only 27 at this, so it's clear that Blake Griffin has the most trade value of the three because he can play the four, even the five. He has great shooting range. Actually, he's he's extending it, and I will believe that. I do believe that he will eventually be able to shoot three pointers. It's only a matter of time. And also, he's a great playmaker, great with the ball in his hands, great decision maker. So I think that he has tremendous value and teams like Boston and stuff can give you um, some help on the wings with Chris Paul. Maybe maybe Avery, Bradley, and, and uh, Crawford for Blake Griffin along with some picks or something would be tremendous value because then all of a sudden you give Chris Paul uh, and DeAndre Jordan the supporting cast that they need, which is a bunch of talented defensive wing players. So I, I think the Clippers are very interesting. Um Another interesting team I have, the last two of this top tier, is the Spurs, of course. So the Spurs are also in the KD sweepstakes, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, The idea of Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, and LaMarcus Aldridge is terrifying if you are the rest of the NBA. Uh, Just KD and Kawhi in and of itself is a terrifying combination, Two lanky, lanky, amazing players that can play both ends of the floor amazingly well. And all of a sudden, if you're Kevin Durant, now the guy who guards you best in the entire league is now on your team, and you don't have to worry about that. So they got an interesting pitch. Uh, KD, there's so many reports talking about how much respect he has for Greg Popovich, so that's another thing in in their favor. I do think the Spurs actually have an outside shot at getting Kevin Durant. Um, But if they don't get Kevin Durant, it's interesting to see where they go. Do they chase mike conley who is by far and away the only serviceable point guard really in this entire free agency class and he is very elite uh he could be a tony parker replacement so that's a very interesting interesting fit there he's a very team-oriented guy plays well with big men extremely skilled big men um and potentially with Powell going there mark's brother we all know that conley has a relationship with paul gasol and marcus soul so that would be interesting to see but, um, or do they try and go in the trade market route, feel out the trade market, maybe take a flyer on a guy like Trey Burke, um, who we all know is available, Shelvin Mack, all these guys that, that we know are available that could be serviceable point guards, because again, the way the Spurs system is, you don't need an amazing point guard, you just need one that can operate the pick and roll and not make mistakes, so uh we'll we'll see we'll see what they do there or do they try and go the traditional or the traditional route which is invest in the bigs which is something that they've always done ever since they've gotten david robinson tim duncan they've always invested heavily in the front court um you know this year they had david west they had tim duncan well marcus aldridge boban who's another interesting free agent do they sign him or does he get a super big offer so the spurs have a lot of options in terms of what they do with the front court or the back court I think that's going to be interesting to see what they do maybe chase a guy like Paul Gasol who's a perfect fit for the San Antonio Spurs um, so they got a lot of options if they don't get Kevin Durant which again um, I don't think that Durant is going to San Antonio but if he does uh, then it's interesting to see how they fill out these spots because both Tony Parker did play great in the, in the Western Conference playoffs, but he also had his moments where he looked gassed and he looked just too old to be out there. And Manu had a lot of those moments. Tim Duncan especially had those moments. He looked like he couldn't play the entire series almost outside of Game 1. So with that being said, we'll move on to the final team in this category, the 73-9 Golden State Warriors. Um, crazy turn of events for them. They would go from 73-9, and nine, like I said, to not even being NBA champions. And now they're looking to get KD. And I do believe that it helps the Warriors in, in chasing KD because now all of a sudden you're not the team that won. You're the team that's trying to win. And if Kevin Durant goes there, he can be looked at as the missing piece they needed to win. So, um, And you saw, you saw it throughout the playoffs, especially in the last two rounds that the Warriors struggled when their passing was taken away. When you take away the Warriors' passing, they they have they have Steph Curry who can create good shots, but he wasn't hitting them. Outside of that, Clay wasn't creating many good shots for himself. Draymond wasn't creating many good shots for himself. So um, they need a guy who could just kind of get buckets on anyone, and that's Kevin Durant. I mean, the guy has a mismatch on everyone who guards him. He's either too tall or too quick or just... Uh, or just too too good, flat out. So it, there's adding Kevin Durant would give them such a different dynamic option on offense that this Warriors team would be super, super fun to watch. So I do think that they are the real threat to get Kevin Durant, but if they don't, then I, I expect him to stay in Oklahoma City again. And so then the next question is, if they don't get Kevin Durant, what's their cap situation like, and who do they go after? Now, there's been reports of maybe going after Dirk Nowitzki. I don't think he leaves Dallas. Same reason I don't think Wade leaves Miami. And um, then there's maybe maybe they go for a guy like Pau Gasol, who's a passing big man who can also defend. Um, Joaquin Noah looked like an option at one point, but it looks like he's going to get paid by either New York or Washington very well. Um, then there's also guys like Dwight Howard, who I don't think fit. The Golden State Warriors, but maybe they maybe they chase him as has an athletic rim protector. And outside of that, I mean, there's there's not really many other there's not really many other options in terms of what they do. Maybe they go after Horford. Uh, Horford would be perfect in their system. Again, another passing big who can also shoot, which is something Bogut could never do. Um, and he's pretty good at defense, but I don't think Horford's a rim protector. Bogut is. So lots of situation, lots of situational issues there, uh, but I do believe that the Warriors' main preference and main focus should be on finding a center that replaces Andrew Bogut and potentially Festus Azili, assuming he leaves. So that that's the top tier. Now I wanted to get into another tier of mine, which is super interesting young teams. Now these are young teams who again have a very um, futuristic and optimistic view in terms of their timeline they're going to let things build organically but um there's a lot of intriguing young talents on this free agency market so that fit these teams timeline so they could hypothetically go for and pursue these players Uh, so let's start with Portland Portland is a young team that shocked us all by making it to the second round of the Western Conference playoffs when most team projected them to be top three in the lottery uh, so, so Portland is got Damian Lillard, T.J. McCollum, Those are your two cornerstones. Outside of that, um, they had a nice bunch of pieces that just plugged and fit together perfectly. And I don't really understand this team. Like I, I really don't know how everyone does what they do so perfectly. Uh, great job by Terry Stotts to figure everything out and like make such a system that benefits all their players. But it makes it difficult to find out who do they chase in free agency what kind of players are they going after uh, there's been reports that they're targeting dwight howard i don't like that because dwight howard again is somebody who one doesn't fit the timeline of their other of contention and two he just he's not known as a great teammate and i don't and i believe that chemistry is such a big part of portland's success last year so if I were them, I would look to target maybe Festus Azili, Give him a chance. Uh, he could be he could be kind of a Mason uh, a Mason Plumlee 2.0, right? Like a guy who's uh, who's very athletic, who can protect the rim, who's a great role man. So, or maybe even a backup to Mason Plumlee if he plays the way he continues to play in the finals and throughout the playoffs. So uh, that could be a nice one-two center center punch. And then um, you gotta figure out what you're doing with that Davis. You gotta figure out what you're doing at the wings. There's a lot of talented wings um, that are available in this in this draft. Maybe go after Harrison Barnes. He's somebody who does fit that timeline. Or do they go after a a more veteran presence like a Chandler Parsons, like a Nick Batum, who they who they trade away. I assume they don't pursue him, but um, they got they got some options here. They got the cap space. They got one of the they they got the most cap space out of almost anyone in this entire in this entire free agency so they're very interesting in terms of who they can go after. I don't necessarily know, that's why I have them as one of my interesting teams because I think that they could make some really shocking offers that would intrigue some people. So next is Denver and now Denver and the next team following Denver, all three of these teams with Portland, Denver and the next team are all very similar in terms of what they have again, Denver has a real potential core piece at almost every position, they have a plethora of young skilled bigs, they have tradable assets like uh, Gallinari, Fareed, Chandler, etc so really what do they go after and again, with there being so many talented young wings uh, Bradley Beal is a great fit in Denver he's a guy who's I believe 25 right now, 24-25 and he can really shoot the ball, he can really score the ball in position. Uh, shooting guards the one position that they don't really have. I mean, unless you consider Will Barton your shooting guard of the future, which I don't think you do if you, if you have title aspirations. Um, and also, what do they do with, the, with all the young big men that they have? Do they trade some? Do they trade Fareed? Do they trade, not Jokic, but do they trade uh, Nurkic, another, another big man who kind of slowly began to find his way out of the rotation last year? Uh, what, do they, what do they do there? So they got a lot of interesting, interesting um, options. Uh, I, don't, I don't really know outside of B- Bradley Beal who they should target. Um, but So again, that's why I'm going to be watching them. And the last team that fits this mold is Orlando. So Orlando has lots of young core pieces, as we all know. Mario Hazonia. Uh, Aaron Gordon, Vucevic is still relatively young, although he's, he's older than that supporting cast, Alfred Payton, who's extremely young. So they got some options there in terms of, um, in terms of potential core pieces at almost every position. Um, they upgraded their coach, and they traded for Ibaka, all signs that they really want to make the playoffs. So they're apparently targeting uh, Al Horford, Chandler Parsons and maybe Joaquin Noah um again not all of those guys together those are just names that that they want uh they they have the money to offer two max contracts so again Denver is uh Denver or sorry Orlando looks like they have a lot of opportunities and options uh I don't I don't know who they go for again if I was Orlando I would stay the course give his give Gordon give Vucevic and Payton all these minutes let them develop and kind of see maybe you get next in next year's draft who supposedly has three to five potential cornerstone players. Then I would I would say you know what punt it this year. Uh, don't go after these don't go after these big names. Maybe um, maybe just again punt it for the season and see how see how the draft lottery plays out because I don't think I don't think they benefit from getting Al Horford Chandler Parsons. Yeah, that makes you probably a playoff team in the Eastern Conference. But how much experience does that really have? How much does that really help? Would that really help, or or would um or maybe getting a top five pick in next year's draft really really help and kind of leapfrog you in terms of uh in terms of your ceiling? So Orlando's very interesting. Uh, again, those three teams are interesting, but also other teams that I threw in this category that are super interesting. There's two more. One is Detroit, so Detroit is very, very interesting to me, um, not just being a Piston fan, but they are also just a very intriguing team, because as, as of right now, it's being reported that their pursuit is Al Horford. They have traded Jody Meeks to the Orlando Magic to clear uh, $6.5 million in cap space, and now they have the money, they have basically the money to get Al Horford if they offer him a max. And it's interesting because, again, he doesn't fit Detroit's timeline. Detroit's a young team that um, that is looking to contend, who's not looking to contend for another three to five years is where I think you'll really see Detroit at their peak in terms of all the pieces that they have around them right now. Um, and also they have a desperate, desperate need for point guard, for a backup point guard. They cannot roll out next season with Steve Blake again. Like, the Pistons just can't do that. And... It's interesting because this free agency class is so um, so weak in the point guard. After Mike Conley, the, the next best point guards are Jeremy Lin, Rajon Rondo, Mario Chalmers, Grievous Vasquez. Again, none of these guys interesting. None of these guys can really help. I mean, they're better than Steve Blake, but how much better are they? The Pistons are aiming to be a 50-win team next year and a top-four seed in the Eastern Conference. So with that being said the pistons uh going after al horford is makes sense from from that perspective but also also just again what what do they do with the backup situation and what what is their backup plan let's say they don't get al horford because look if i'm being honest the pistons offer al horford a lot they have a very very great young core uh, between Jackson, Stanley Johnson, KCP, Andre Drummond, you guys you guys know that that core four is amazing along with along with Tobias Harris who has the potential to be a, a really good player down the road. And so so they have a lot to offer in terms of Al uh, of Al Horford and they're already they were only 3 wins less than Atlanta last year. And Atlanta already lost Jeff Teague. So if you get if you add Al Horford, if you take Al Horford off Atlanta and add it add him to Detroit then Detroit probably has more wins than Atlanta. Definitely has more wins, especially when you factor in trading away De- Jeff Teague. Um, so, so he's arguably going to a better, a much much better team, especially with Detroit being so young. You're going to see such drastic improvement each year um, in terms of in terms of their players because their players are so young. In those first couple years, players really really make leaps, and then they start to slowly tail off until their prime and then all of a sudden that's when you see another big jump. With all that being said, if it comes down to Detroit or Golden State or Oklahoma or San Antonio, one of those three other teams are probably going to win the Al Horford sweepstakes. But but again, this is, this is a huge step for Detroit because if they can at least get a meeting, right now they haven't even secured a meeting with Al Horford, but if they can at least secure a meeting and it goes relatively well, then all of a sudden... They, they start to get a reputation out there that they can maybe land the right the right star that's a free agent. And again, Detroit, I believe, is about two to three years away from landing a star player in free agency uh, just because they, they have a lot more to prove with that young core. But um, if, they, if they get a meeting with Al Horford, this goes a long way. And if, if they don't get Al Horford, what do they do as a backup plan? Because again, there's not many good point guards. They still need a backup power for it. I know you drafted Henry Ellison but nobody is expecting to play Henry Ellison next year. Stan's not expecting him to play at all next year. This team again is aiming for 50 maybe 50 plus wins next year. So they they're not going to play, they're not going to play a rookie unless they absolutely have to. So they're going to be in the trade market. Do they do what they did last year which is they wait till they wait out the free agency period and if they don't get the player they want then maybe a team last minute needs to dump some salary, and they they acquire some picks or some players. Uh, I don't see that happening this summer because of all the free agency money that and all the money that teams generally have. I believe twenty over twenty teams have twenty plus million dollars in cap space. So and other teams have and about five other teams have fifteen plus. So there's there's lots and lots of money. So so no one's really struggling for money. It's very easy to create cap space now. So Detroit might not be able to uh, do what they did last year where they fleeced uh, Marcus Morris from the Phoenix Suns and Reggie Bullock, who both turned out to be nice role players for Detroit. So it's very interesting what they do. Uh, Do they go after Jeremy Lin? Uh, I'm not crazy about him. Mario Chalmers, Grievous Vasquez, none of these guys intrigue me. So Detroit's very interesting because I don't think that their plan A is going to work. So what do they do in plan B? Do they go for these point guards? Do they enter the Ryan Anderson sweepstakes and overpay to get him? What do the Pistons do this summer? So they're, they're very, very interesting to me. Um, the, 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 the most realistic option to me is that they re-sign Drummond. And that that just um, instead of instead of spending the cap, they maybe get one or two serviceable players, and then re-sign Drummond to slightly go over the cap, and they don't use the full twenty to twenty-two million that they have right now. Um, so so that that's interesting what Detroit will do this summer. Very very interesting. And the last team is Philly. Now I know you guys are gonna laugh because you know it's the Philadelphia 76ers, but they they have the potential to really really turn around this franchise and. Turn around this quote unquote process that they're going through. Now, I know that a lot of people are again gonna laugh at that, but think about think about this. So Philly is a young team, they got Ben Simmons, their number one pick. They finally got that quote unquote transcendent franchise cornerstone player, right? And then you got Jahil Okafor and Nerlens Noel and Joel Embiid who's scheduled to play this year. So you got a log jam at the front court. Both Noel and Okafor have huge, huge trade value. Um, so you can get some really nice pieces for those. There's a rumor right now that Noah's Noel is potentially being traded for Terrence Ross, a nice wing player. That's what Philly needs. Philly needs desperately needs help on the wing. So they, they can get Harrison Barnes, a guy who's young. He's 25. He matches He matches their timeline in terms of contention. So then you can you can offer him a max contract and maybe force on, on July first you offer him a max maybe force Golden State's hand really really bad and then uh then they have three days to figure out if they want to match it or not. Then after that you have you have Deion Waiters another interesting guy who's who's always wanted the spotlight always wanted to be a star. Uh, that's an opportunity where he can he can blossom into a star if if he has that potential that this is a situation where he can show what his worth is. Um, again, another guy, Bradley Beal, a guy who's young, still fits the timeline. Uh, Evan Fournier also fits the timeline. These guys are all great, great wing players. And if they get if they get two of these guys, if they get two of those five players, then all of a sudden they can really, really um, make progress. Because then you not only have Ben Simmons, who everyone says, and believes is going to impact Philly right away, and he's going to be a player that you can play right away on a nightly basis. Again, with Jahlil Okafor too being one of those guys who's young but can contribute right away. You add some upgrades to wings, you add some shooters, then all of a sudden Philly's not Philly could go from the worst team in the NBA to maybe to maybe um, bottom, still bottom tier, but but low end uh, top ten. So they could jump, they could jump a few spots, and they could be like, they could be arguably like the twenty third, twenty fifth best team in the NBA, and that's a huge jump for Philly. So um, again, they still got to figure out what they're doing at point guard, and again, this isn't the draft class or sorry, the free agency class to figure that out because again, none of those guys intrigue you. But Philly has tons and tons of cap space, so if I am Philly, I am throwing maxes at Harrison Barnes, at Deion Waiters, trading for Terrence Ross. All of a sudden, you get those three guys and maybe you got something real special or or instead of Deion Wayers, maybe go for Bradley Beal um, I believe Washington's going to match anything that Beal gets but kind of force teams hands you kind of have that option to be that to be that quote-unquote troll if you want to be and just throw throw money like it's nothing because they really have the room to sign two to two and a half max level players so they have a lot and a lot of cast space they have the they have uh, the third most cap space in the entire in in the entire NBA right now. So they have tons and tons of money to spend. They have nearly forty million dollars. They can easily get some big names. Um, so so I I think it's smart for Philly to get Barnes because look, you're not gonna eventually these guys these rookies got to learn how to win, right? And if you there's so much. There's so much that's stated about losing cultures and how it's hard to become a winner after being in such a losing culture, and I find that so true. So if I'm Philly, I believe in upgrading Harrison Barnes and getting maybe Dion Waiters or Bradley Beal, one of those two, maybe Evan Fournier. If none of those, if none of those other options work out, and then then you improve yourself, and hey, you're still middle of the pack in the draft lottery. You're still maybe that. That five to eight range, then all of a sudden, um, you know, you can still you can still find gold at those picks. I mean, Steph Curry was the seventh pick in the draft, so let's not let's not act like after the top three picks there's nothing to get. So, so I mean, I mean, you, there's so many options for Philly, and Philly should really really try to pursue young talented players. And again, this is just taking flyers out on them. Maybe they turn out to be great, and you can flip those for some valuable picks and pieces if you still want to go that rebuilding route. So Philly, Philly's very, very interesting to watch. Uh, they, got, they have a lot of motivation to do well in, in this free agency and at least try to slowly build back their reputation as a respectable team and organization because right now free agents don't look at don't look at Philly too much. These are the only guys that are going to look at Philly because they have the they, Philly has the perfect fit for these guys. So I believe they will at least listen. And if you can start to sign a few max-level free agents and treat players right, then all of a sudden word gets around and you slowly build back your reputation. And within three to five years, you can be a powerhouse for signing free agents. So this is a huge offseason for Philly. I believe they should go full flex again, go for Barnes, Beal, Dion Waiters, all of them. Just go for as many as many talented wing players as you can get and try and clear up that logjam at the front court, which is Noel, Embiid, and Okafor, try and trade one, maybe two of the three, who knows. Now lastly, this is a small group of teams that I just wanted to talk about because I believe they're very interesting, and these are kind of what I call good teams that are wild cards, right? So there's Boston, Houston, and Atlanta. Starting with Boston, uh, it's rumored that they're chasing Dwight Howard in free agency. I don't know if that's a good move for them. Again, as I, as I outlined earlier, I, I'm not a fan of Dwight Howard's um, attitude and just the way he plays. Um, so, so I don't think Boston should chase Dwight Howard, although he is exactly what they need, a rim protector. And a, and a good pick-and-roll counterpart to Isaiah Thomas would really go a long way. But I don't think that's a move you make. I think if you're Boston, I think you stay persistent with trying to make that blockbuster move. Again, like I said earlier in the podcast, maybe the Clippers do decide to break up Blake Griffin, Chris Paul, and DeAndre Jordan. Or maybe the Bulls do try to trade Jimmy Butler, which is, to me, highly unlikely at this point because they traded Derrick Rose. But, you know, you still keep that door open. Um, maybe the Cavs do try to trade Kevin Love. Maybe DeMarcus Cousins is finally available. There are so many names out there that could potentially be on the move. And again, if you just stay persistent, stay to your beliefs, and, and keep true to what you're doing, then eventually some superstar, some disgruntled superstar, is going to be available. And all of a sudden, you have all the assets necessary to make a move. So again, keep that cap space open. Uh, because then maybe you can sell Durant or or on getting maybe Jimmy Butler. Maybe you trade Jim for Jimmy Butler, and then all of a sudden Kevin Durant looks at you differently. So again, Boston they they just got to stay true to what they're doing. Uh, they got to believe in their in their own process, which is keep building assets, and eventually a star will come, and you can get him for the right price. Uh, and then again, Houston. Is kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum. They have the star now. They want the supporting cast, right? They want um, they want at least a co-star, maybe a big three. Uh, again, who 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 is out there? They're targeting Al Horford. Uh, Al Horford is reportedly set to meet with Houston, so Houston has grabbed Al Horford's attention at the very least. But uh, I don't know. I I have a very um, they haven't gotten a, they haven't gotten a star since Dwight Howard. And Dwight Howard didn't work out well so I don't know what you can expect with them uh, also there's the, uh, there's the idea that what star out there can work with James Harden James Harden is a headache he's very frustrating to deal with as a teammate uh, he, he very much likes to be the star and he doesn't like to share that spotlight and he has a lot of leadership issues he likes to point fingers when things aren't going well but then take the credit when things are going well so he's a very um that's why I'm that's why I'm off the whole Harden wins a championship bandwagon I I don't think that I don't think Harden gets a championship as a leader I think if he ever gets a championship it's as a third or fourth option which I could never see him doing so I I'm totally out I don't think I don't think James Harden will ever win a championship because I just don't believe in his mental makeup and I believe stars around the league look at him the same way so I'm not entirely sure that he's going to be able to attract free agents. I don't think he's, he's this magnet that other people think. Like, Houston thinks that he's a LeBron where he'll bring the free agents to him, but he's not. He hasn't done it before. Uh, he did it with Dwight Howard once, and that worked out terrible, and he turned on Dwight Howard. So what kind of message does that send to potential uh, free agents if you know, he recruits you but then turns on you the second things get bad? So it's interesting to see what they'll do there. And again, Houston always has a great Plan B, Plan C, Plan ev- everything through Z, right? Like they always have a great plan, and they always make um, they always make good backup, quick decision moves. So maybe they go after Nick Petum or Chandler Parsons, and that makes them slightly better, but not again, not um, not at the not at the elite level that they were last year when they reached the Western Conference Finals. And then Atlanta. Atlanta's Atlanta's a team that could either go from good to staying where they're at, or they could just nose dive totally. So they already traded Jeff uh, Jeff Teague, which was again a huge thing for me, uh, giving the keys to Dennis Schroeder. Not a fan of that. He's not. He's not. He hasn't sold me yet. He's not a good. He's not a good ball handler. But um, he's also not a good decision maker. And now if they lose Al Horford, because the rumors say right now that the Hawks are not willing to give Al Horford the 50-year of the contract, which is, again, the huge selling point. That's the whole advantage that hometown teams have is that, hey, we can offer you that extra year that nobody else can offer you. But if you're Al Horford and they're not offering you that extra year, then, uh, then what advantage does Atlanta really have? Uh, I don't believe he's. I believe he is attached to Atlanta, but I don't believe he's as attached to Atlanta as uh, people believe. And then the other question is: Is Bazemore really worth about thirteen to fifteen million a year? Guys, I'm not. I'm not joking. You can take this to the bank. Uh, Kent Bazemore is making anywhere from thirteen to fifteen million per year. He's that's that's the contract he's getting. I know it's ridiculous. I think it's overpaid. He's a great role player, but. Thirteen to fifteen million a year is definitely too much, and but again, that's the that's the climate we're in. Everybody's getting paid now. Everybody's getting paid. So, keeping an eye out for Kent Bazemore and what he what is what does Atlanta do with him? Because all intent seems that they that they plan to re-sign him and sign him to whatever it costs, which is, which could be very deadly. Um, but if they lose Horford, what what do they do? Do they do they go after Dwight Howard, which has been rumored, and sign Baysmore, or do they just let the whole thing go and just blow it up? Maybe sign and trade Baysmore and Horford and try and get some pieces out of it. Again, you always get you always get about thirty cents on the dollar on a sign and trade, but you know anything's better than nothing, right? So, so if I'm Atlanta, I think I think if Horford does go, then I think you totally totally just blow the whole thing up. You already, you already gave the keys to Dennis Schroeder, which is a mistake. Um, and, again, I don't want to pay Bazemore four years, $60 million, or whatever whatever he's going to get. I mean, maybe even he might even get an $80 million contract, guys. Like, he's going to get paid. So, um, Ken Bazemore is, is very interesting to me in what they do with him. Again, all likelihood seems that they're going to sign him. But but my money's on this. My money is Al Horford leaves Atlanta, and if they don't offer them the fifth year, that's the contingency I have, because if, if Atlanta decides to offer Horford the fifth year, he's probably staying. But if they don't offer the fifth year, then I think Horford leaves, and they get Howard and Bazemore, because Howard's from Atlanta, so it's a nice little, you know, happy hometown thing, and they sign Bazemore, and they continue to be a mediocre team, like, that's it. So, so I think that Atlanta, Atlanta's is in a very interesting spot now. Um, and, and I think it, I think it's kind of smart for Atlanta because I do see both sides of it. Like I would, I would totally blow it up if I was Atlanta, but I also understand them wanting to keep everything together because this isn't a strong fan base. Uh, their fan base is known as being one of the least supportive of all the fan bases in the NBA. So, do they really have the patience to go through the full-on 76ers process, which is completely tank and rebuild, or, or do you, or do you just take satisfaction in being a mediocre team that gets to the first, second round every year? Like, that's that's your options. So, Atlanta is very interesting to see what they do. Very interesting because again, I don't think they keep Horford if they don't offer the fifth year. And that will do it for the that will do it for the teams, right? Uh, that was fourteen teams that I talked about. So I gave you lots of lots of content uh, about half the half the league. Again, all these other teams are very interesting. They have a lot of interesting questions, and and see, we'll see what their answers are, right? So with that being said, uh, I'll continue to do podcasts. And how this will work is every single day I will recap what happened that day and what the biggest rumors are leading up until the next day and so i'll continue to break that down maybe throw in a little summer league action once that starts which is on july 2nd so um but in the meantime you can find all my stuff on twitter which is chrispy1132 that is my twitter handle and you will find all of my stuff on uh podbean and itunes i will have a link on my twitter uh, there, there's got to be plenty of stuff that interests you. I talked about the championship uh, in the NBA. Then for hip-hop, I've talked about album reviews. I've talked about, you know, the best projects so far this year. All these other things. Top 5 90s group was a, was a fun one to do. So there's lots of stuff out there that will interest you. Um, so please check it out, support it, share it with a friend. And uh, again, guys, I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening.